Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care, and with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, folks. The January 6th committee held what is expected to be its final public hearing. The committee presented new evidence, including video footage of congressional leaders scrambling to respond to the attack and evidence of former President Donald Trump's plan to declare victory in election night 2020, regardless of the results. At the end of the hearing, the committee voted to subpoena Trump to testify. In other news, the Supreme Court rejected Trump's request to intervene in the Mar-a-Lago documents case. Meanwhile, DOJ formally appealed the appointment of the Mar-a-Lago special master. Joyce Vance and I discuss all of this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. The final, what was billed as the final investigative hearing from this January 6th committee was held last Thursday on my birthday. So that's what I did for my birthday afternoon. What a treat it was. Happy birthday to you. (laughs) And interestingly, they styled it a markup session, which meant that they could deal with business of the committee and vote on things. And at some point, midway, I don't know when you learned this, but at some point, I learned about it midway through the hearing. They were going to take a vote at the end of the hearing on a subpoena for testimony from Donald Trump. And we'll talk about the other things that came out of the hearing and maybe give a summary of how we think the whole thing has gone. But what made headlines and what everybody wanted to talk about was the dramatic issuance of a subpoena, or I guess voting on a subpoena, 9-0, on this committee. My reaction was I didn't think that was as big a deal as everyone else did. For among other things, that testimony is never happening. Uh, It's certainly never happening if the Democrats lose the House because the subpoena will expire and that committee is not going to be reconstituted. Even if the Democrats retain the House, we're talking about a long fight. We're talking about arguments in court for a very long time. I don't think in any case the Department of Justice is going to be considering a contempt of Congress indictment as they did for Bannon. What did you make of the subpoena? I agree with everything you said. It felt a little bit like a moment of theater to me, sort of the the culmination of, of their work. 
it could have been meaningful had they done it six months earlier. But by the same token, I don't think the committee was in a space six months earlier where they could have done it. This isn't DOJ issuing a subpoena to a witness. This is very different. And in some ways, the committee had to make their case for it before they issued a subpoena. But like you say, the testimony won't happen. I do think one way that this is important is it will be part of the public record here for all time that the committee gave the former president the opportunity to come in and tell his side of the story. And he declined to do so. And I bet you how that'll play out is Trump will make unreasonable demands for conditions. You know, I don't want to be under oath. I don't want to be questioned. I just want to tell my story. And he'll he'll set it up in a way where the committee won't accede to those requests, and then he'll, you know, jump up and down and refuse to show up. But I think it's important for history, assuming that we have one, that that's all on the record. So good for them for doing this. You make a good point, and that is, why not issue the subpoena earlier? You said something like, well, they had to make a case for the issuing of the subpoena, not as a legal matter, or not as a constitutional matter, maybe as a matter of sort of public understanding and public trust. They might have wanted to make a record. But, you know, it is interesting that they issued a subpoena to Trump, but not one to Mike Pence. And one reason for that, I guess, Benny Thompson and others have said, well, we have a lot of testimony about what Pence was doing and saying and thinking from the aides who were around him. And with respect to Donald Trump, there were something like more than two dozen witnesses who pled the fifth in connection with conversations about Trump and would have testimony that would shed light on what Trump was thinking and doing. But We do have a lot of testimony about what he was doing and thinking and saying, maybe not as much as they want. Why to Trump and not to Pence? You know, I have a really strong negative reaction to this. For one thing, I think Mike Pence should have volunteered to come and testify. This looks to me like political strategy on Pence's part. He's trying to live to run another day. The reality is that not only would Pence's testimony be the best evidence of what Pence thought and what he did. I mean, it's great to have his aides testify. Feels a little bit like he's hiding behind their skirts. But in reality, Pence is the one witness who can talk about his conversations with the former president. And you'll remember, Preet, that a lot of the witnesses who overheard at least one side of those conversations, some of them were in the room when they took place, they would stop short of testifying about the details of those conversations, citing executive privilege. Well, now here we've got Mike Pence, the one person who could explain with some detail what Donald Trump was thinking and doing and whether or not he committed crimes. And I just find it to be shameful that he won't share his story with the American people. DOJ may end up forcing him to if they're serious about prosecuting the former president. Who knows? But Pence has an obligation to history and to the American people, and he has failed to live up to it. The other question I have with respect to Donald Trump testifying is if he's proud of what he did, and he says over and over again, he did nothing wrong. He loved the people who marched on the Capitol and rioted at the Capitol. He said, I love you to them on January 6th. He's dangled pardons for not some of them, but all of them, for the conduct they engaged in, even though many of them have been convicted and many more will be convicted of violating federal criminal statutes. Why not just come to the committee and explain forthrightly what you did and why it was right? How come his base, how come his supporters are not disappointed that he's not, you know, taking his seat and proudly proclaiming his patriotism 
in support of what happened on January 6th. You know, there's one little problem for Trump with coming in and testifying. And I think that, you know, we sometimes talk about the fact that he's not very smart. I give him credit for being smart enough to appreciate that nothing good happens if he testifies, particularly under oath, but even not under oath, because the questioning will be skillful. It will reveal the fact that there are discrepancies in his story. And I think Trump runs a very real risk if he testifies and if the people in his base hear the testimony. I guess that's a big if there. But there's a real risk here of exposing the truth and of exposing his failures. Because one thing that he can't do is deal with the factual record. I mean, it's easy for him to say when he's on a rally stage or when he's just spewing on on his social media channel for him to tell lies. But when he's confronted with the truth in person and asked to respond, he looks very weak if he just denies documented truth that can be presented to him. I think that's a risk he can't run. Yeah, but on the other hand, Joyce, huge ratings. Lots of people would tune in for the testimony of Donald Trump. And you know, in in this little screed that Trump wrote to the committee after they said that they were going to subpoena him, one of the digs that he takes at the committee, and this is just crazy, is he says the committee continued these hearings even though they were getting low ratings. I, I mean, what goes on in that man's mind is just beyond me sometimes. Sometimes not much. Now, we have said on the show, and people say all the time, that this or that or some other action is without precedent. It's unprecedented. The issuance of a subpoena to a president, former or sitting, is not unprecedented. It doesn't happen very often. And I thought it was interesting to note a piece in Politico that talked about the the last time they, they believe a former president was subpoenaed to testify in Congress was in 1953, subpoenaed to Harry Truman by this very infamous committee, the House Un-American Activities Committee. And Truman didn't come. He defied the subpoena and he said, quote, it is just as important to the independence of the executive that the actions of the president should not be subjected to questioning by the Congress after he has completed his term of office as that his actions should not be questioned while he is serving as president, end quote. Is that a good precedent for Trump to rely upon not to come forward? You know, DOJ actually cites Truman's comments in the internal opinions that they have issued in this area about efforts by Congress to compel former presidential aides to testify. I suppose he can cite it. I suppose that it's precedent of a sort. But the situations are are very, very different. With Trump, we're looking at a setting where the allegations involve his personal complicity in criminal conduct. You'll recall that there's a federal judge in California who, in a civil setting, has suggested that the evidence proves that it's more likely than not that Trump participated in at least the part of criminal conspiracy that involved John Eastman, one of his lawyers, to obstruct congressional certification of of the 2020 election. I think that this is apples to oranges, ultimately, and not great precedent. But hey, if you're Trump, you don't have to care about precedent or facts. You just say whatever you want. Can I make an aside here for a moment? You know, there's an argument to be made that in a constitutional democracy where we have separation of powers, as Truman says very stridently, the Congress shouldn't be in a position to question the sitting executive or even the former executive. And that makes some sense on the surface. But there's another democracy in the world where it happens on a regular basis. And that's the United Kingdom. They have this convention, this practice, I think it's called Prime Minister's Questions, where you sit in the well of the the parliament 
and you get bombarded with questions from members of the parliament on a regular basis. I love watching this. You know, you can watch it on C-SPAN. It's great. It's like watching pro wrestling. (laughs) It's amazing. And in fact, I don't think there's a way to legislate this, but it's something we talked about in the Senate where, you know, I I think people would get a bird's eye view of differences of opinion and, and a president would have to explain, as the prime minister does, why he or she is doing what they're doing but it's it's not it's not a crazy concept to have a back and forth in an exchange and a robust exchange between a president and a congress maybe it'd be better and it's not crazy here because congress's job is to engage in oversight and to write new laws designed to better protect the country right and if they're going to do that effectively and and leaving politics and posturing aside if congress is really going to try to prevent a repetition of what happened in 2020 They really do need Trump's testimony. They're entitled to it, and and we deserve it. So as you pointed out, there's a limited historical record of presidents and one vice president who've come in to testify before different committees. The one that stands out to me, though, is Gerald Ford. In 1974, he testifies to the Subcommittee on Criminal Justice. It's a, a House Judiciary Committee subcommittee. Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.